It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane, alongside Grant Ramey, Brent Hubbs, and Austin Price. With the Christmas tree, recording this on November the 1st, too early or just about the right time? Uh, it's never too early. <laughs> Listen, all you need to know is Rodney Garner never takes his tree down. I was going to say, if it's never too early, why do you ever take it down? Yeah. Well, uh, my wife takes them down when we're normally at a bowl site, which is good. But what? But why do you allow her to take them down if it's never too early? I don't know. I really thought past that, Hubs. Because it's because it is too early, right? Never, That's no. exactly why. No, it's, I'm it's on AP not. side. It's not too early. It's, it's officially not. once Halloween's over with, you get your candy and you start playing the Christmas music November the first. These made up rules that are. It's like don't wear white after Labor Day. Yet I see people wear white every year after Labor Day. It's so, not I a mean, rule. It's just don't disrespect Thanksgiving. Let's yeah, give Thanksgiving I mean, a moment. Here's my thing. Are, are we lit? I mean, are we going to listen to Christmas tunes on July 5th because the July 4th holiday no, is over? Sometimes, sometimes I, I mean, do, Robert, to get in the season. I mean, are, you, are you rocking your Pentatonics Christmas album, Eric Kane, on July the 5th? Is that what you're doing? Maybe. That's terrible. I'm all for it year round. You know, all, all that stuff in Gatlinburg when they, when they have the uh, Christmas shops that stay open year round. I'm for it. I love it. One, one year on July 4th, uh, HBO had a Home Alone marathon. We turned it on. It was the weirdest experience of my life. <laughs> hey, Hover, Die Hard. Is it a Christmas movie? Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Sure. 100%. It's I love a Christmas movie. I love when that gets brought up. <laughs> gets brought up every single year. All right. Well, it's we're going to bring up now some of your questions story. because. Hey, Hover, is well, Ty well. Simpson coming back to Tennessee? There's a post. I'm going to say I'm going to say no. Well, I would say no too, but like I just love the posts. I love the posts that break down where he's going to go. But those are my favorite. Like if he leaves, he's going here. <laughs> that question and many more here today on the Volquest Mailbag <laughs> Podcast, presented as always by our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local. They've been trusted since 1999. That number for a free estimate is 865-524-5888. You can always visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. All right, let's jump into it. We will start with Smoky Man 15. What are the chances we see Danico Slaughter back in orange next fall? Brent, he is a senior, um, but obviously has a COVID year if he wants to use it. What are the chances we see Danico Slaughter back here? I hadn't really considered it. I, I mean, I, I just kind of assumed he would be a guy that wouldn't be back Austin, but I mean that the foot injury has certainly hurt him this year. Um, I, I guess anything is possible, but my initial thought would be that he's a guy that's moving on AP. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would tell you if he's back, he should, they should transition him to safety. One, they're thinner there Two, I think that's more his natural position. Um, he's been the team player and played corner the last, you know, year and a handful of games um but you know i don't know at this point i, I would tell you he's probably back i mean where's he gonna go i don't think he can go to the league at this point um and, and i just don't see him leaving unless he feels like i'm not going to play the problem is, is again tennessee is going to have to make some decisions on some guys because they have younger players that they need to start pushing or they're going to lose them right like that that's inevitable in today's college football you can't put somebody over there on the, on the pine for two plus years and, it, and it'd be okay. Like that's just not going to happen. 
So you've got some younger guys who are going to be pushing, and they need them to be pushing. They need them to play. So, like, that's why I think safety, if he's coming back, makes the most sense because who are the safeties next year? Like, I don't yeah. think a locked-in spot there, whereas you could say, okay, you know, there's a handful of guys who could be your corner. Yeah, but corner. who's your star? I mean, there, there's a possibility he could be the star position guy yeah, too, right? 100%. That's right. Yeah, he and Jordan Thomas have some versatility back there. But you're right. There's a lot of defensive back turnover potentially. And I'm with UAP. It's kind of like, I mean, unless you just don't want to play football anymore. And, I mean, some people do after four years. That's fine. It's kind of like, where, where are you going to go unless you want to transfer somewhere and go play? But I don't think that's the case. Well, I mean, like, how many times have you seen the last handful of years, especially since the, the transfer portal became a thing, a kid leave a school and just grass wasn't greener? Like, no. you know what I mean? Like uh, – and I think there's enough evidence out there to say, okay, I probably should stay. And that's not just a Tennessee. That's a lot of places. Let's move on here to uh, – we'll go and get a couple here from Athrun. Uh, number one, why has it seemed like the defensive back rotation is the only position on defense where they are not force-feeding young players? Grant, it just feels like Tim Banks and Willie Martinez have their veterans that they trust – they have put Ricky Gibson in at times, but not an awful lot. But, yeah, it's been pretty much a veteran group. That's the question I can't answer. That's like, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why is AP got a Christmas tree up, uh, behind him on the podcast? In We've already answered like, that. That's just, Sorry. That's just, that's just the way it is. Like, it's never too early for a Christmas tree. It's never, uh, it's never too late to not have your starters in at safety uh, on the 78th snap of the game because they've played all 78. I don't know why they don't rotate more than that. They lean on those guys they trust, I guess, the veterans. I, I don't know what it is about that position or, or those coaches specifically. Uh, Hubs, maybe you know better than I do why they lean on those guys. That they, I guess they know what they're getting from at least, and there's some known there. I mean, I, look, Tim Banks has made it very clear um, from – for the first week of the season, preseason, whatever the case may be, Eric Kane. I'm gonna ignore him, by the way. I was gonna say, how um, long can we? Just, how long can we let this go? Just, AP doing whatever he's doing. Austin the whole time. Yes. Um, so back at 24 seven does the Christmas tree comment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 point being the 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 point being Tim Banks has made it clear he's gonna go with the guy he trusts, the veteran guys who are gonna be in the right spot, guys that they know they're supposed to be where they're they're gonna be where they're supposed to be. He said said that publicly multiple times. So um, they're not gonna they're not gonna force a young guy in there. Um, that's just not gonna be the case. If t if this t game goes the way everybody thinks it should go and everybody hopes that it should go, I would bet the last two starters off the field are the safeties for Tennessee on Saturday. <laughs> if this year was the year that you saw, that no, I, mean, I, I, I agree with you. I I couldn't agree more, Hubbard. Yeah, and and I do agree with Grant. Like I just I, I'm not saying you got to go and play him a ton, but BJ does a nice job of sprinkling in some guys. I mean, just like Saturday, I mean at Kentucky. I mean, what T. Lander played two or three plays. Arian Carter played seven plays. It's not a ton, but it's enough to, you know, keep them engaged, right? Like you know, like I, I just for my liking, I think you've got to find a way to keep some of those younger guys engaged. Even a guy like Jordan Thomas, who's in his second year, like. At A&M, what, he almost came in and forced a safety. Like, you know, he's not playing a ton of snaps, but he's playing just enough to keep him engaged. And I think that stuff matters. I, You know, for coaches that don't think that, I think that they're missing the boat. Well, keep in mind, too, um, Andre Turrentine played safety the entire fall camp. He's with the ones. 
and, and he hasn't really had a role in this team. And so, I mean, I think that just goes to show you that, you know, the, these coaches, they, they trust and they know what they have in these veterans, just like Trayvon Flowers last year. I mean, they know what they have in these veterans. They trust these veterans and they're going to play these veterans because if a guy like Andre Turrentine, who rep with the ones the entire fall camp, you know, can't crack a rotational spot, then yeah. I think that just kind of says a lot. Uh, a couple more here from Athron. AP will stay with you. Any new high school names coming out with more film out as the season goes on? Not really. Um, you know, it's it, the high school board is kind of the high school board at this point. I mean, it's Cam Michael, it's Jordan Seaton. Uh, Tennessee's still trying on a guy like Michael Smith, the tight end that plays for Jake, with Jake Merkling, or they're tying with Max LeBlanc. Um, you know, they're, st they're still going to, you know, they're going to see Daniel Hill, um, you know, later today. You know, Jerry Mack, you know, tonight will be down in Mississippi to watch, you know, Daniel Hill play. Um, you know, but I mean, as far as like, you know, guys that have come out of the left field, um, yeah, not, not really. There's no, there's no Arian Carter this year that, you know, kind of went from, you know, a mid-level to a like, boom, all of a sudden he's got 75 power five offers. Or a James Pierce. I mean, not the same situation, but James Pierce was a late bloomer as well. Cycle before, uh, latest on Jordan Seaton. You mentioned him Any anything new with him? No, I mean, you know, he's going to take a ton of visits. He, you know, he's at Colorado this weekend. Then he comes to Tennessee in two weeks. He's going to Ohio State. Um, probably will take a visit back to Oregon. We'll take a visit, you know, potentially to Oklahoma. A lot of visits between now and December. Um, this thing's going to have 40,000 twists and turns. And we've talked about that in the war room for weeks. You know, I mean, I know I I said I would take Tennessee over the field last week. And I, I, I still feel like Tennessee's in a really good spot. Nothing's changed there for me. But it's still a total coin flip, right? I mean, like, you know, this is one thing that, you know, one visit could make or break it, right? He comes here, has it blown away, Georgia, atmosphere, blah, 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 boom, you know? Or he comes here, you know, Tennessee gets beat by 25, and then he's like, yeah, no, 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 I don't really like it. Or, or he goes to Oregon, blown away by atmosphere. This thing is going to shift on a dime. And so it's kind of like, you know, it's one of that, those games where you just want to have the ball last, so to speak. And I don't mean that by the last visit. I just mean like the momentum at the end. And then lastly here, Hover, um, what position do you think Tennessee is going to hit the hardest in the portal? We talk about this a lot. I mean, tight end for sure. You'll take an offensive lineman. You'll probably take you'll, – you'll, you're always open to take a defensive lineman, especially if some of those guys don't return. I think you like a receiver. Um you need to say, I mean, there are a number, you got to have a kicker potentially. I mean, there are a number of areas, but I think the conversation is tied in for sure and, and offensive line. Yeah. And I think the question grants could be, what's their numbers going to look like? I mean, how, how many spots are they going to have available, available for transfers in January? When you talk about, um, you know, obviously they're self-imposing, so they're going to be below the 85, not far, but they're going to be a bit under the 85, which means if you're going to go heavy defense or heavy offensive line, heavy tied in, you know, heavy bodies in January with newcomers, then you're going to, you're going to need some departures probably on your roster as well. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what the end of November and the first of December looks like from the standpoint of who's staying, who's not staying. And what does that do for your numbers for, for transfers throughout the month of December and early January? Remember when it was a simpler time and it was just how many guys can Tennessee recruit and take in this class. And that was it. There was no, uh, how many guys are going out of the portal versus how many guys are leaving? What, which, which of these guys are coming back and, and using a COVID year? Like, I, I don't know. That, that, those are the good old days when it was just one one number. See, I kind of like it because, like, here, here's the thing. Hover and I grew up in a day where, like, February signing day, man, that was like Christmas. It was fantastic. All the January official visits and all the, you know, momentum swings. 
And then they moved it up to December. And like, it's kind of anticlimactic. So I like that it adds a little suspense, you know, because I mean, like the old days, you know, that thing was fantastic. It, I don't know if it ever gets that way again, where you're looking at fax machines, but at the same time, like, I think that it adds a little intrigue in what is really a kind of a mundane uh, process because everybody commits in June or July outside of a handful. And they mo- most of the time just stick with the school they, they committed to and they sign in December. Yeah, the only thing with the old school January days was you, you knew who you were chasing and who you were tracking. Now you, I mean, I mean, nobody knew who McCollin Castles was, you know, um, <laughs> until AP you dropped Ace coming to Tennessee, like until I called Paul, call Paul Shelton. Like that, there was no, there was no kind of follow that, you know, follow that recruitment. There's some drama there. It's like, hey, they got a guy today, and, and nobody, and nobody knew Keenan Peely either. That's right. Hey, they got a guy today. Hey, we got a guy today. I mean, I love it, those. Though. I different. love when when the GQ and nobody else knows, but we know. It's more fun that way. Like, I mean, it's more fun because it comes out of left field. I mean, everything else is tracked so. Like when you know a kid's coming on a visit, it's you know, it it, it you know. It becomes anticlimactic by the time because you either know he's coming or he's not coming. Um, yeah, there's not there's not near the drama. There's that's for sure. But it it is going to be fascinating to see to answer his question, just what the numbers look like. I think that's the biggest thing. They obviously have to have a tight end. They obviously I think need multiple offensive linemen in this class. Then you could say they could use one of these. They could use one of those. They can use one of that that type of thing. But the question is going to be what? How many spots do they realistically have? to bring in a bunch of new guys in the transfer portal in January. Cause look, the May transfer portal window is eh, right. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, that's not the greatest, that's not the greatest selection of talent to choose from in May generally. So you, you got to have numbers to play with in January. And, and what do those numbers look like? Grant, let's go to you for this one. This is Hypo's hype, man. Do you think from here on out, you're going to see Samson use more in a, in the passing game? Like, even though he's a running back, he could be a huge asset in that slot position. He's willing to help the team any way possible. We saw a couple of times, Grant, where Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson lined up in the slot. It wasn't, you know, 10, 15 plays, but kind of some specialty plays. But more than anything, I mean, yeah, they've been throwing to the running backs out of the backfield, you know, really all year long. And Sampson, that fourth quarter, was huge on that third and 10. Um, if I'm Tennessee, I'd continue to look that way. Yeah, I had enough evidence before Kentucky to get Dylan Sampson more involved any way possible. Get that guy in space. I mean, he can go between the tackles, too. That little shovel pass he had where he bounced off some guys on that big third down at Kentucky. I think that was a third down, third and long to extend that drive. Everything he did in the fourth quarter, I had enough evidence before Lexington to get him more involved. I'd certainly after what he did in crunch time for those that four-minute drive to close out the game and what he did in the fourth quarter. Yeah, get the ball in his hands as much as possible, in my opinion. Grant, wrong-handed asked Rob last week what he thought about where Tennessee's offensive efficiency ranking would be per Ken Palm. He's coming back this week and saying, how are we feeling about a top 15 nationally basketball offense this week? Obviously, the explosion at, at Sunday at, at uh, Michigan State and, of course, the big win, exhibition win yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about top 15. If they're around 30, I think that's pretty good because you're probably going to be top 10 on the defensive end. Uh, scoring 89 at Michigan State is obviously extremely impressive, but at the same time, last October we watched them score 99 against Gonzaga in a G League gym in Frisco, Texas, and you know Tyreek Key went off, and that wasn't the team that they turned out to be. So uh, if they could just be around the 30s, I think that would be a step up after being probably around the 60s last year. All right, AP, Vol underscore Nation 3, what's the likelihood on, you already mentioned Jordan Seaton, but Cam Michael, Kai Bates uh, being Tennessee Volunteers? Cam Michael, you know, that one – 
this a lot of mis- mystery around that. Like, I mean, uh, Georgia's still swinging there hard, and, and history tells you that a South Georgia kid that Georgia comes in on late, it's gonna get a little dicey. Um, now, the one you got to watch for is Colorado because his cousins committed there. I, I think that that's a real thing, but I wouldn't, you know, really count Tennessee out just yet. Like, I think that a lot of people around Cam Michael like, you know, Kelsey Pope and Tennessee. Again, I think this one's very much up in the air, as we said here in, in early November. As for Kai Bates, he's going to be in town for the Georgia game. I spoke with him uh, just last night and, uh, you know, had a good conversation. He's very comfortable with Tennessee staff. He's been talking to a lot of the recruits. He's been talking to some players on the team that he knows, like a John Campbell, uh, who's from the same type area. And, um, you know, I, I think that one's one very much to watch. Now, doesn't mean it's some lock to Tennessee, but I think if he makes it here for the Georgia game, then I think that's something you have to watch out for. Like, like that becomes really real if he hits campus. Again, other schools, including LSU, are going to try to keep him from coming here. They know that uh, he really likes Tennessee in a lot, a lot of ways. But uh, I think that's one you have to watch. If he makes it to campus, then, you know, Big eyes. Volunteer for life. Hover says it's been uh, said that you need to hit the portal for wide receivers next year. If I'm remembering correctly, we had some pretty good wide receiver prospects in the last two classes. How is their development coming along? And do you think that uh, they're going to be ready to step up next year? Essentially, Jazz Nimrod, Caleb Webb, who are playing a little bit right now. Nathan Leacock, uh, you know, is, is a freshman this year that hadn't seen the field at all. But some of those younger wide receivers are they going to be looking in the portal or relying on the development of some of those younger receivers? And then maybe Dante Thornton as well. And of course, Squirrel White's going to be back. Well, I think if, from a receiver standpoint, it, it would be a luxury if you do something. I mean, if you're going to take a portal receiver, I think it's got to be a dude. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's just a warm body. I, I know that they like more bodies there, but I think you got to have a dude um, if you're going to go get somebody. We don't know exactly what Brew McCoy's situation is going to be. Um, be pivotal. I, I don't, I, you know, and I don't know that you'll know Brew McCoy's situation for a, for a bit here. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't. That's that's a hard thing. Do you go to Brew McCoy in December and go, "Hey, I got to know right now, are you coming back or not?" You know, or do you say, "Hey, man, you got a spot whenever whenever you make your decision, whatever that that type thing." Um, so I, I don't think you go get a guy unless you go get a, a legitimate, big time, proven guy who's looking to to play where somewhere that they don't have a quarterback. Right. I mean, you look around at somebody who's got a, 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 you know, a quarterback who's a senior that's being pretty productive and they're, those guys are unsure if, you know, the next guy behind them is going to be able to get them the ball, you know, then, then maybe you start looking at those guys. I, you know, I think Caleb Webb's got to find another gear here the back half of this season. Chaz Nimrod seems to have kind of run away from him in terms of being in the rotation at that point. I don't know. I'm not seeing Nathan Laycock, you know, catch a ball since August. And, uh, you know, he looked like he had a long ways to go when I saw him play. So I think this is a pivotal offseason for Nathan Laycock in terms of grasping this offense, catching the ball better, uh, some of those things. We got plenty more questions to get into as the uh, VolQuest Mailbag Podcast rolls on. But I do want to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and truly give you what is it, AP? That Lululemon look. 
<laughs> indeed but it's better than lululemon because what they do is it fits way better than regular shorts stiff restricting cotton they fixed that issue this being bird dogs with a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but it stretches to give you a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long uh bird dogs Khaki shorts, uh, you got your slacks, their versatility is the name of the game. And again, they don't sacrifice movement. You feel good doing them. You can wear them to church, to work, to a business meeting, out on a date with the wife. Whatever the case may be, the versatility is the name of the game with Bird Dogs. And you can get a pair right now by going to birddogs.com. Use the promo code VQ. That's promo code VQ for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash VQ. Promo code VQ for VolQuest. VQ for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. And as always, a big thank you to our proud sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. Give Exterior Home Solutions a call today if you have a need, 865-524-5888 or online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. We'll get back into the mailbag questions. Let's go to Bear Vol. Awesome price. This looks like a question for you. Chances of Cooper, John Campbell, Javante Spragans returning next season. And I would also throw uh, Gerald Mincy in there. I mean, all four could return. All four could also be gone, which means you'd have to replace everybody. Um, you know, And I think that'll be a big telltale sign on kind of where this team is a year from now. I'm not saying you can't go to the portal and get guys, but I think it's unrealistic to think you will go bring in four bona fide guys to be, you know, to replace everybody. So I think you need a couple of people to return. Cooper, coin flip. Spragans, I would say he's thinking he's going pro. Um, we'll see what kind of grade he gets. Um, John Campbell, same thing. Gerald Mincy, same thing. Again, I think a lot of it will depend on the grades. The grades the D-linemen get. The grades the O-linemen get, the grades that Jalen Wright gets. You know, I, I, I think all that will tell the tale, so to speak, um, of who's back potentially and who's not. Reset the conversation again as we do every week on the defensive front. You've done it again, but do it again. Uh, those guys, Omari Thomas, Omar Norman Lott, some of those guys that could that have a year but you know, yeah, could I mean leave or come back. Big O, Big O is going to get his grade back, and we'll see where it's at. You know, uh, I don't think he's in a rush to leave, um, uh, but I think he'll get his grade back. And if it's high enough, then he'll, he'll probably look to go. Um, you know, Bryce and Eason, I would say he's back again. He'll get his grade, but I would say that he is definitely back. Um, you know, Elijah Simmons, same thing. Uh, Omar Norman Lott will get his grade back. I would probably say that's mm, probably lean going, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. Like I think that you know he's very comfortable here. He's very happy here. I would uh, probably put the most money on Tyler Barron playing his last game in Orange coming up in here in a few weeks. I would say that Tyler Barron will be off to the NFL. Hubs, who are the starting linebackers next year? Herring, Carter, or T-Lander? Of course, all those guys are going to play if they're here, but the two starters, I would imagine, would be um, Elijah Herring and um, whichever one of it, uh, Arian Carter or Jeremiah T-Lander performs well in camp. I would say it would be Carter and, and Elijah Herring, but, uh, again, as you said, it doesn't matter um, because of the way they rotate Grant. I mean, just, you know, I, listen, I think the guy who does the best job of that 
um, is is Brian Jean Marie. Uh, I know Rodney Garner plays a lot of guys. I think that's easier for him to do right now because he's got you know twelve veterans who have played a bunch of snaps. You know, but for Brian Jean Marie to force kind of those youth that those young freshmen out onto the field, um, I, I think is is a credit to him, and I think Tennessee benefits from it. There's no, there's no question that T. Lander and Arian Carter are going to be better football players next fall, not because of spring practice, but because of what they have experienced this fall on the football field on Saturdays. 100%. The Keenan Peely injury happening in week one, his situation, everything that had been said about him through the offseason and fall camp, I mean, that was awful. But if there is a plus side of it, who is it? Is it Heupel? I can't remember. Says there's no substitution for live reps this time of year. I can't uh, keep up with which coach is, is uh, leaning on which saying. But I mean, there's no substitution for live reps. You're going to be so much better uh, moving forward with Elijah Harry, Arian Carter, with Jeremiah Tlander because of the reps they're eating right now. Even if some of them are limited reps. I mean, Elijah Herring's doing a ton. Tlander's not doing as much. Carter's not doing as much. It feels like lately, but they're getting these live reps, and they're going to be a lot better for it. Hey, right, Grant, as long as you're out there on the grass, man, getting some reps, it, it, it's noteworthy, right? It is. As, as ahead, we sit here on November 2nd, I'm going to take Arion Carter and Keenan Peely. What? Tennessee's starting linebacker. So, for, for next fall, on, on well, November the 2nd, that would mean AP. The more I've talked to people, I think that Peely is ahead of pace as far as rehabilitation, but much like Cooper, like Cooper was clear technically – you know, but not really put I me mean, like wasn't ready to play. And I think that's where we may see that with this, with this Peely deal is can he physically do it? There's a difference between being cleared to come back and physically being able to do something that you've not done in 10 weeks. I, I, I think that that's going to be an interesting sign. I'm not saying that he's definitely not going to play this year. I'm telling you that that's something, the more I've talked to people, I think that that's a legitimate concern. And if he can't, physically go what does he do and, and i think at that point it, it, it leans to potentially being back as the veteran in that room if he can win if he can win an appeal if he yes. can win an appeal as we said here on november 2nd and then lastly here from bear vol who is kicking field goals for the vols next year last two kickers have come via the transfer portal does Tennessee follow suit in that regard or uh a young guy on the roster brent hubs uh you know i I think they will be open to, to seeing what's in the portal. I think JT Carver is a guy who has continued to get better. Uh, he was bothered by an injury um, in fall camp that set him back in, in the kickoff race. Josh Turberville has done a terrific job wow. kicking the ball off. Um, but, but I mean, I think that I think there's some comfort level with JT Carver where he's at right now as a kicker and his growth. Um, I, again, I think the question is, when you prioritize what do you need in the portal versus the numbers that you have, that's an interesting decision. That's why, that's why roster management is not just a catchphrase in college athletics. It is the biggest thing in college athletics. Those who manage their roster the best are going to win. Um, and it's not just about going out and recruiting guys. It's about transfer portal guys. Who do you keep? Who do you encourage to leave? To, to create room. All of that are conversations that are very different for coaches to have now than they were having four or five years ago. Yeah. And, and JT Carver, remember, is, is a James Wilhoyt guy. He is taught by James Wilhoyt, same person that teaches Charles Campbell. 
So, I mean, like, I think that that, that continuity – and Hubs is right. Like, Carver's been in the program. If you feel good about it, then you don't have to go to the portal. That's one less spot you got to worry about uh, going forward. Um, I, I think that's the best-case scenario for Tennessee, in my opinion, because they are going to be having to trim off some fat at the end of the year. On a sidebar, but still on the topic of kickers, I love how Charles Campbell earlier this week with the media was talking about how he's always getting work, you know, with the snapper and his holder and everything. And he's like, yeah, I've always got Matthew Salenci over here snapping to me. And I always got to go find Jackson Ross. He's running routes with the receivers or throwing with the quarterbacks. Just, just drop that in and then moved on. <laughs> it's just like the dude just wants to be out there having fun and thinking that he's the best athlete. I love that. It, before he leaves Tennessee, whenever that is, I think you're going to see some type of fake pun. Are you guys sidebar? Also, are you surprised you haven't seen it yet, whether he just takes off or he throws the football or, because, I mean, obviously, when you do that rugby style, that presents opportunities to to do some things. Well, they have stuff in. They well, of course they have stuff in. Are you surprised well, that you I haven't mean, like, seen I, it? Uh, no, not necessarily because okay. that's not really Heibel's nature. Ultimately, I know that Eckler is the special teams coordinator, but that's a Heibel call. Well, of course. And, yeah. I mean, like, Josh Heibel, when was the last time you saw Josh Heibel run a trick play? Like, that's just not what he does, right? Like, I think if there's going to be a trick he ran one against UT Martin because, well, he wanted to run one against UT Martin. <laughs> it's beautiful, too. <laughs> I, I need to see a uh, Les Miles place kick uh, the holder, flip it over his head to five-foot-nothing Charles Campbell going around the right side. That's what I need to see. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's go to iHeart Balls. Um, Grant, let's see here. Considering how paper-thin Tennessee is on the offensive line, would you consider giving Campbell and Mincy Saturday off? If you were hypeable, uh, to answer the question, I 100% would consider giving them the day off. Will it happen? I, no, I, I do not think it'll happen. What do you say, Grant? I mean, in a perfect world, you can do a lot of things on Saturday, but in an imperfect world, you're tied 6 6 with Austin P in the second quarter with five minutes left before halftime. I mean, yeah, it would be great. This would be a great opportunity to get as many young guys as you can play, get guys healthy that have been going for weeks at a time here. Uh, but you got to start the football game fast. And you got to put this team away fast. And the last time we saw Tennessee as a 35, whatever it is, plus point favorite, uh, they didn't play too well. So I think it just depends on how much you can take care of business in the first half. If you can get away with uh, going without some of your starters before you even kind of consider that. I don't know. How do you look at that, Hubs? Oh, I think that you absolutely. I mean, you, you you're not going to tell them to stay in their wind suits on the sidelines. You better you better dress them out and tape them out, tape them up, and get it out there and end the football game now. You know where I stand on the second half deal. We don't need to trot a guy back out there to start the second half if you're up four touchdowns. Uh, the same way two years ago, Hendon Hooker didn't need to be running quarterback zone read at Missouri up four touchdowns. But um, you, you got to go touchdowns. win the football game first. I mean, it's what you've got to do. And look, the UConn's not very good. They're one in seven. They have played in a bunch of games where it's been one possession games. So I, I guess I guess Jim Moore Jr. could throw out the whole word six plays away from being bowl eligible or eight plays away, whatever, whatever coaches are, are saying these days. Uh, but Tennessee has got to be mature and go get, go get business done so that you can get to all the things that everybody wants to see on Saturday, all the things you thought you were going to see against Austin P, but you didn't when you started one for seven or one for nine for 11 yards, throwing the football and, you know, floundered around for a quarter and a half before you decided to kind of get going a little bit. You never really got going in that game at all. And then at Kentucky, yeah, Joe Milton started like six for six, but for like 28 yards in that first <laughs> quarter, just completely different. Um, Aaron Beasley, uh, seems like he's not been the same of late. Is he dealing with an injury because he was playing at an elite level 
to begin the season, Austin Price? I, I don't think he's injured. No. He's had a little bit of a back, but I don't think it's anything that's bothered him. I think the biggest difference for Aaron Beasley and why you're not seeing all those things, they're not blitzing him as much. Because James Pierce is pretty good, Tyler Barron's pretty good, and they're not having, they're not bringing a bunch of extra people, and those guys are doing a good job against the run. I mean, I, I you know, I think a year ago Beasley was making a bunch of plays because it was run blitzes, and that they, they were blitzing him on the quarterback, and they, they played the, a different brand of football because of what that defensive front's been able to do. It's probably limited some of his splash plays or or big plays at the linebacker position. All right, Austin's putter has like four questions here. I probably I've get seen I've them. seen Austin's putter. It, it was trash. <laughs> it was trash last last Friday. It was trash. My putter was trash. Not as trash as my as my driver was, but that's we'll, we'll continue on with the podcast. What, what about Craig Price though? Was he was his trash? Um, Craig, it, 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 my dad needs to join and be Craig's two way chipper. Like that's that's his thing. He pulls <laughs> that thing out. I get so mad. I'm like, stop pulling it out just to pull it out. <laughs> I just wonder where he bought the two-way chipper at as well. Buddy, it was at like Kmart, okay? Like, <laughs> exactly honestly, right. It was at the Kmart. Austin's, Austin's like the nerve of going to Kmart. I mean, who are you? It no, was you have direct no faith flight. in your game if you think you're going to hit it up the side of a tree and, and have to use a two-way chipper. <laughs> All right. Over under 1.25 quarters for Nico on Saturday. Anybody? Over. You better hope it's over. over. I'll say over. I'll say a quarter and a half, so I guess I'll take the over. Okay. Um, Let's see here. How concerned should Tennessee be about the secondary moving forward? Felt like no hadn't really hurt, and uh, Tennessee will need to tighten up to even beat Missouri. Missouri can sling it around, Brent. Um, secondary play has got to play better, obviously, at Missouri than it did at Kentucky. Hadden, of course, your best cover corner. He wasn't out there. But, I mean, that that whole group back there didn't have a good day. No, I, for me, Grant, it was about the middle of the field more than it was the stuff on the sidelines. And, and I know Leary was was really good delivering the ball on the sideline. But but for me, I mean, I think they gave up nearly 200 yards over the middle, over the middle of the field. And that's my – biggest concern about this secondary going into Missouri and, and and Georgia is just can they defend the middle of the field because that looked like a little bit like what we saw out of Tennessee secondary the last couple of years in terms of the middle of the field. I mean, it's going to be a struggle when you lose somebody like Kamal Haddon who's playing the way Kamal Haddon had been the last few weeks. And and what did Tim Banks say Tuesday? They're, they were so focused on stopping Ray Davis in the Kentucky run game that they were almost willing to sound like he was saying they're willing to give up whatever they were going to give up in the, in the past game. I don't know if they thought about it. Larry throwing for 372 on him, but uh, I'm interested to see how they, I mean, UConn, UConn, what you look like on Saturday, then what you look like at Missouri uh, if they go back on the road and they struggle again, if it is something more than just they were trying to focus on stopping the run game and give up what they gave up against uh, Kentucky uh, through the air. And AP, they better get home with a pass rush if, if they're going to, if they're going to be better in the secondary, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like that's the biggest reason I think you saw. You know, it wasn't the loss of Kamal Haddon; it was the lack of a pass rush. I mean, yeah, Kamal Haddon would have helped, and then he was playing at his best football of his career. But it was the it was playing zone, the lack of a pass rush, and when the quarterback's got all day and the DBs are playing zone. I mean, you're going to be able to boom, boom, 12, 14, 12, third and eight, boom. You know, um, so you know, getting home, and, and maybe that's where you see the reemergence of Aaron Beasley because if they're going to you know, go max protect. That means Tennessee is going to have to blitz, which means dial up number six. 
Last question. Let's go to Relton for live. Two guys who got injured in preseason, Tyree Weathersby and Deshaun Bishop. How is the recovery going? Has either returned to practice? AP, correct me if I'm wrong. Weathersby was out for the year. Bishop, there was a chance of him returning later in the year, at least to practice. Has that happened yet? Uh, no. Uh, now, Weathersby will be back for spring. It was a hip deal. He's back walking. He's off the scooter. Um, and, and Deshaun Bishop is back walking um, as well um, off of uh, his ankle deal. So, um, you know, again, we'll see if, if Bishop's here, you know, in the spring. You know, I, when you look, when when he sees kind of how the, the, the season's, you know, played out, does he want to continue to sit behind a, a loaded backfield or does he want to go play somewhere? I think that's that way with any kid that's in his position. So we'll kind of see where he is, uh, you know, over the next month or so, um, you know, when that transfer portal window. And I'm not saying he's leaving. I'm just saying, like, when he's watched the fall, and you've got a bunch of young guys in front of him. Does he feel like I can get past them, or does he say I want to go play? And I think that you have to weigh that with several kids uh, on all rosters across college football. And then, lastly, Grant, how surprising is the production of Ganey and Connect versus uh, Michigan State and and Little Ron? Uh, I mean, this is what we heard about Dalton Connect all summer uh, that he's a legit scorer and he's a guy that can play in the NBA. He has that type of skill set. He's got that type of size. Uh, to see it happen in his debut in East Lansing in front of a near-capacity crowd at Michigan State. The score at the volume he did uh, is pretty surprising. Uh, very surprising to see Jordan Ganey go 5-5 to start the game, 4-4, whatever it was. He had 14 quick points when they when Tennessee got out to that fast start. Um, that's who Dalton Connect's got to be for this team, um, and I think Jordan Ganey has to be some version of that for this team. I mean, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the country, but he played at USC Upstate where – he was the focus point of the every team they played. And now he's out on a team with a lot more talent around him and maybe he can find his shots. But I was impressed with how he handled the ball, uh, ran point guard without Santi, without Zakai. Um, but the, apparently that's who Dalton is and who he can be. I'm, I'm very interested, interested to see just how productive he is all the way through the season, uh, how high those numbers can climb. Hey, Grant, one fun basketball question for me, and I know we got to get out the door here, but was Zakai Ziegler sitting next to Rick Barnes against Lenore Ryan to glean some coaching knowledge, or was he sitting there to annoy Rick Barnes to the point that Barnes is going to let him put on a uniform and go play? No, I mean, he is he is dying to play. I'm sure he is very annoying at this point, uh, point trying to get back on the floor, but Rick actually told him right before tip-off, he said, come over here, sit sit next to me and, and watch this game and kind of see it through my eyes. And he would sit there and he would tell Zakai or he would talk to Zakai, like, this is what I'm seeing. What are you seeing? And, and when they had timeouts, you know, he, he would bring Zakai in and say, tell them what you just saw, because I just saw it. Like they need to hear it from you too. At one point he told Zakai to go to the end of the bench and tell one of his teammates why he just got pulled out of the game. So he wanted, he wanted Zakai to see an actual game kind of from his seat and see it the way he sees it. Um, and, and I'm sure it, it, part of it is as a guy probably thinks if, if I annoy this guy enough, he'll let me play. So I think he's working that in as well. Plenty of questions we got to today on the ball quest mailbag podcast. Can't thank you enough for sending those in a big thank you as always to exterior home solutions for making this coverage possible. Free estimate a six, five, five, two, four, 5888 for Brett hubs, Grant Ramey. Awesome price. I'm Eric Kane from all of us here at ball quest. Merry Christmas time here, and uh, let's enjoy the next two months. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go buy some fireworks for Fourth of July <laughs> celebration because it's Independence Day every day, right? And uh, you guys can listen to your Mariah Carey Christmas CD and, on repeat. Um, I, I'll go find me some some summertime tunes or, or whatever.
All right, boys. I gotta go. I got an Easter egg hunt starting. <laughs> Appreciate you guys for listening here That's on the Valentine's Day. Hey, it's 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 St. Patrick's Day for Eric. <laughs> it is. Got my green hoodie on. The Vault Quest Meltback oh, Podcast. Christmas green. <laughs>